This is JCU Conversations, a podcast show from James Cook University, Singapore. Tune in as we ask experts in the industry more about their lives and their approach to success. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's listen to today's episode. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm uh, Dr. Malobi Mukherjee. This is uh, JCU Conversations, which is a podcast show from James Cook University, Singapore, where we are going to be asking experts in a series of podcasts, uh, you know, experts from the industry about their lives and their approach to success. And today we are very fortunate to have uh, Mrs. Uh, uh, Sokwe Chung, who is the chief financial officer of the DBS Group, uh, which is one of the highest rated banking groups in Asia. And uh, uh, we're fortunate that she has been kind enough to share some insights about her career, uh, about you know women in the workplace, and also uh, teach us and give us a few tips on how she maintains a healthy work-life balance. So welcome, Sokwe, for uh, you know welcome to our show, and uh, thank you very much for doing this because we know you have a very busy schedule. Um, so anything you'd like to say to our speakers before we crack on? No, thank you, Dr. Malumbi, and thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Uh, pleasure is all ours. Thank you very much. So, you know, I think most of our viewers are going to be really curious to know uh, about, uh, you know, a little bit about the various roles that you've taken on in your career and, uh, you know, some of the biggest challenges that you faced and how you actually dealt with them. So if you were to hire or appoint someone to a C-suite role today, what would the profile of the person look like? At the minimum, they would have a CV that looks like a career metrics with horizontal and vertical moves, signifying depth and breadth of experience, skills and exposures. And for the DBS talent in our talent program, they are required to actually rotate out of uh, out into various roles to gain that kind of diverse exposures. And if they sort of don't make the effort, uh, they can be dropped out of the talent program. So I've been very blessed because the way before career mobility became fashionable, I was given many opportunities uh, to go into new roles every few years. I've never asked uh, for a new role and my bosses simply trusted me to do my best in whatever role. Uh, they have assigned uh, to me. So in the first phase of my career, I was posted to finance, credit, and operations. So I worked deep in the trenches. But the detailed thought process I picked up has served me really well. Because as I get into more senior roles, I think the ability to pivot uh, from a top-of-the-house view to a deep dive on details makes all the difference. And even for the entrepreneurs and great startups, you'll find that mastery of detail in their chosen space is the rule rather than the exception. I also treasure the opportunity I had to spend a couple of years in corporate planning, supporting the chairman and the president. So this helped me gain big picture thinking, outside in thinking. So I got involved in strategy, writing position papers, drafting speeches for the bosses, handling investor relations, M&A, regulations, and governance matters. And one of the big initiatives launched by the chairman then was to modernize risk management. So as part of the corporate planning function, I selected the consulting project. And then I was propelled into the world of quantitative risk management. It was very different to what I had learned till then. But I went back to my books. I picked up a couple of uh, professional qualifications and went deep into risk. 
Now, this time, I learned to zoom into details and at the same time, zoom out to answer sort of the big questions on strategic risk-taking. And during this period, I was constantly out of my comfort zone. I had to build not one, but many new functions from scratch. It was like building many startups. And at 41 years old, I was appointed to group head of risk. And the expectation of the board was very clear. The buck stops with you. So you grow into leadership role very quickly. Now, the real value of the time I spent in risk came when I became the CFO. And unlike traditional finance professionals, I had a deep background in forward-looking risk models and could connect the dots. So this cross-disciplinary mindset has served the bank well. And one of the sayings we have internally is that risk management is the best place to learn finance and finance is the best place to practice risk management. And with the breadth and depth of experience, I'm also very privileged to be invited to board roles. And I now serve as the chairperson of the risk committee of the Singapore Stock Exchange. And I also chair the audit committee of uh, the Changi Airport. Wow, I mean, that, that was like a, a real roller coaster ride from my perspective. Incredible, you know, we, we talk about the devil is in the details, but then you talk about, you know, if you have to be a leader in your organization, you also need to have that bird's eye view of what, what's going on. Uh, and, uh, you know, you seem to have, you know, done all of that at, in a very short span of time. Uh, you know, uh, I'm really curious to know, you know, how did you maintain a healthy work-life balance to ensure that you spent enough time with your family, especially if at age 41, you were already heading the risk group for the organization. And this is particularly, you know, in, of interest to me. Well, I'm at a different phase, uh, a different season of life. And um, at this point, I try very hard to keep my weekends free for grandparenting duties and for time to connect with myself, uh, my friends and with God. But as my children were growing up, there was a lot of juggling that I had to do. But I kept to one simple principle, and that is to do the essential and delegate the non-essential. And the essential for the family was our nightly family devotion time, our storytelling time, our sharing time, our prayer time. It was never compromised, no matter how late I have to work. And my children learn to be independent very early, right? So they are independent learners. So no tuition classes for them, no running around, fetching kids. So that means I have more time, right? And they learn to take public transport on their own by the time they are nine. So no mummies driving around to, you know, uh, for, for all sorts of things. And I had incredible support, right? From my secretary at the office, from my mom and my sisters and my helper at home. So very privileged uh, to be able to, in a way, juggle so many responsibilities. And I think it takes a real team, right, to propel one person to where they are at now. And, you know, and here you are and, uh, you know, how fortunate and how awe-inspiring indeed. Um, you know, was there a time that you hoped that you would do something else with your career? You know, or, or uh, you know, if there was, did you de how did you deal with it and continue with what you were doing? I think DBS gave me so many exciting opportunities to do new things every other year. They were so exciting that I never looked outside DBS. <laughs> 
okay, so so you you really had a lot of opportunities just within the organization to explore yes. and uh, experiment. Uh, wonderful. Um, you know, I, I don't think our listeners are aware of this, but you're also a member of an international women's forum, right? Uh, and, you know, what, what is it like for you to take on this leadership role and, you know, as a woman and, and what advice do you give to, to the ladies in your forum, especially coming from such a male-dominated industry? You know, in DBS, it was not so difficult. It has always been the best person for the job. Uh, and about 40% of DBS senior management positions are women. But what I would say is that it is important for women to practice leadership presence, to bring energy and vitality into a discussion, to speak with clarity, with confidence, and with uh, conviction. I think that's how you gain credibility of voice, you gain credibility of mind share. And when that happens, you have become a true leader. This is, this is really, really insightful, uh, so so. You know what? What would you? What advice would you give to women? You know, coming into say a, a, in a meeting room with which is which is filled up with men, right? And you know, perhaps a younger yourself. You know, how do you get that credibility? How do you speak with conviction? You know, what what kind of uh, homework do you have to do? What kind of preparation is required when you are walking into that room? Uh, you know, full of perhaps senior uh, male members of the of the organization. I think it's um, being prepared. So I do a lot of preparation work ahead of the meeting. So I try to sort of frame the questions I would ask, the points of view uh, that I would give, because nobody would take you seriously if you just blend with the war, right? And nobody hears you, you know, and you don't speak out, you know. But I think uh, to, to take um, a stand, to want to speak, to say, I have a point of view to share, I think people do respect you for it. And over time, you build a track record and you, you build the credibility to lead. I, I can tell you the risk world that I come from is very male-dominated. Uh, you can go into a big room of global chief risk officers and almost all of them are male. And yet, when it came to a facilitation session, uh, they said, well, could you... Could you facilitate a session with Tim Geithner? I said, why me? Maybe, but I would step up and say, yes, I would do it. And that is, and, and I think it's just always stepping out of a comfort zone to just say, yes, uh, this is um, an opportunity for me to learn mm. and to do it. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm really curious, you know, growing up, uh, you know, in, in Singapore, uh, and, you know, obviously, I'm assuming that you went to school here. You know, were you always a very confident young girl? Uh, you know, when, when, you were, when you were little, did you always, were you always kind of, you know, upfront and, uh, you know, full of conviction in, you know, whatever conversation you had? Did you, you feel like you were a natural in some, some ways or no. experience? No, I was, I was very unnatural. So even though I have always been, I guess, a school prefect and all that, but I was actually quite intimidated to express a point of view. And I learned that if you don't have a point of view, and if you choose to um, say nothing, do nothing, then you'll be nothing. And that sort of, um, uh, and you will have people who are more articulate um, being hired over you when probably they have less competency uh, in the areas that you have. So I recognized quite early that actually what I need was to practice 
uh, leadership presence uh, to actually be able to communicate that not only do I know my content well, but I can appreciate the bigger picture. I can inspire people to come along to build something with me. And over time, I, I think when that realization clicked, uh, I started becoming uh, sort of um, more uh, forward in, in, in expressing my view. It's still not uh, natural to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I, I, and I can see that. And I suppose, you know, was there a kind of a turning point where, you know, it, it was like the real coming out of you as the formidable, uh, uh, you know, uh, woman in, in DBS, you know, was there any challenge or uh, any significant challenge that you had to face which worked for you for the better? You know, do you remember any such turning point in your career? I think uh, it came when uh, I was appointed as head of risk, like I uh, said the board told me, well, we are appointing you as head of risk and you are very, very young to be assuming such responsibilities. But we want to make one thing very clear. The buck stops with you. And when you're in a risk role, uh, you are always at the boundary of um, business trying to take decisions that might cross those boundaries and kind of how you respond, how you sort of find a path forward, Yes, we can be very independent. We can be looking at risk models. We can sort of challenge that. But to be very collaborative and saying, this is what you want to do and making a call. Mm -hmm. And I think those conviction calls are very important. You must know where to draw the line so that um, you protect the organization. And it's always not an easy call to make because you don't want uh, to be in a situation where you say, well, this is not doable because you have not thought through the range of possibilities. And they say, well, this is just, um, you know, um, I think they, they have many names for risk managers who, you know, uh, sort of slow down the process. So I've always tried to hire people who actually even come from the business, but have a good sense of the boundaries of risk-taking. And, and, and I've, I've had to go, you know, at various points to the most senior level and said, I don't support this. This is not as easy as, as you think, uh, but it, over time, developed some, a spine uh, for yourself and for the people around you. Again, you know, really insightful and, and, and helpful and, and, you know, just extending that to, you know, when you have uh, new mentees that you take on uh, within the within the organization, uh, you know, uh, do you see them struggling with issues? And if if so, you know, what kind of uh, advice do you, do you give them? You know, just a couple of the top of your head. You know, the most fundamental uh, things that you would say to a mentee. I would sort of uh, focus uh, them on building the soft skills that are necessary to, the, to get to the next level. I found that a lot of um, the finance uh, people that I mentored were not very interested in soft skills. They, if you give them a budget, they would all sign up for deeper and deeper technical skills. And that is not what is going to help them uh, climb up the curve. And that was when I decided that I was going to launch a different program a program where people come together and discuss. It is almost a self-discovery process. And um, 
The person who helped me facilitate it, a very good friend from another unit, very seasoned. And they read sort of articles before a lunch and learn session. And this takes place over sort of six sessions, over five months, you know, every three weeks they have a meeting. And, and I begin to see the transformation in our people. Because if you come and read an article, you don't have to agree with the article, right? You decide that branding is not for me. I'd rather not have any brand, but somebody is branding you, for example. We hear people asking things like, well, you know, why isn't the boss um, interested, you know, in my presentation? And they'll be coached to say, it's just rumbles. What are the three points you want to make uh, before you go into a presentation? It's not about the PowerPoint slides. It's about the message. It's about the narrative. Are you clear about the narrative in your own head? I think these are just actionable pointers that help people. And I've been just amazed by how people have just suddenly blossomed and they have become a lot more effective. And I see that uh, they then step out. And so some of them are willing to say, let me facilitate the next session. And I saw so much improvement in it that uh, now the group has actually adopted it uh, as a program for the entire group. And I don't think it's women. There are men who, are also, who also need that kind of coaching. And I think in a non-threatening environment, because their bosses are not present, and people, as people share, as people discover alternative points of view, they collaborate better, and they learn from each other. They have accountability partners, and they help each other grow. So that has been kind of one way I have helped to sort of uh, try to lift everybody Wonderful and, uh, you know, very gratifying as well, you know, when, when, when you know, you see them blossom in front of your eyes from, you know, being, uh, you know, uh, kind of scared, uh, yes. uh, you know, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and that's really wonderful again. Uh, I think we are going to run out of time sh very swiftly. So I've got two more questions for you. Um, and this one, uh, this one, especially for uh, some of our students, you know. So what kind of advice would you give to your 21-year-old self? Yeah, so I, I sort of thought about that and I said, well, I think I'm going to coin it uh, easy to remember, A, B, C, D, E, right? And I said, A is to be an agile learner, right? I think in your career, things will change. The world is not going to look like today. So develop a portfolio of skills. And by that, I mean both hard skills and soft skills. And B is to be bold, to step out of your comfort zone, right? Volunteer for the thing that you think may interest you, develop your capabilities, you know, in a new product, in a new country, in a new role, you know, figure out what you want to do. And uh, that, that I think is, is good. But you have to be bold. And C is my favorite, many Cs. Huh? But I think working on the clarity of vision, in any new role I go in, it is always starting with the, the clarity of the vision. And in this time and age, I would say communication skills and collaboration skills. And D, I would say be diligent, uh, work on getting better, 1% every week, and you'll be 50% better after a year. And E, just gain diverse experiences in your career. So A, B, C, D, E, A for agile, B for bold, C for clarity, communications, collaboration, D being diligent and E gain experiences. I think there we have it, you know, well, that is just beautifully articulated, the A, B, C, D, E's of, you know, how to, 
you know, move on with our career. And I certainly hope our students are going to take that on board. Uh, you know, it's, it's simple yet so profound what you've just shared with us. And very last question, something that's on all of our minds, you know, this given last year and a half has really transformed the way that we work. And, uh, you know, how, how did you grapple with some of the changes that were brought about by the pandemic? And do you think this kind of working from home environment is, is good for women in general? I actually think that uh, with the um, remote working that has been very effective, um, actually is good for many of our colleagues. So personally, uh, I travel a lot less. So I chair our India board and I used to take all these red eye flights. I don't have to do that because the uh, facilities, remote facilities work well. I know all our directors, there's enough trust. And I say, wow, we should have done all these meetings rather than you know, for me to take all this uh, 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 red eye flights, right? Uh, so, so that's actually a big plus for me. Um, I think that what I miss is actually interaction time with my colleagues overseas because every time I travel, I do make a point to meet my team, meet my colleagues face-to-face, find out how they are. That part I miss. And on the home front, I miss the uh, grandchildren that come over every weekend. But on the plus side, I have more time to, um, to sort of get into an exercise routine. Yeah, and uh, I think we all, uh, you know, see how much more we can do uh, without necessarily getting, jumping on a plane. It's, it's really incredible. And that's something that I have uh, realized as well. Uh, you know, even though I live in Singapore, it's a long commute for me to get to work. And I find I'm being much more productive at home. Right. Uh, uh, and, you know, it's certainly going to change a lot of things. And uh, okay, so I think we 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 uh, we gone through pretty much everything we wanted to get from you. But this is my little question, which I didn't tell our team, and I hope they don't mind. But uh, because it's a question that I keep asking myself, um, you know, does a modern day superwoman really exist, or is it a bit of a, a misnomer? You know, is it possible to be a superwoman, do everything, be a brilliant mother and brilliant at work, and do your cooking, the cleaning, and Pretty much everything being a brilliant wife and a daughter-in-law and daughter, all of it, you know, we are, we are all grappling with it. And, you know, I put my hand up and say, I'm not a superwoman, but, you know, what do you think about it? Oh, none of us are superwomen. I think uh, we have to pace what we can do. And you notice that in my career, I have not gone into business mm-hmm. for a reason. That gives me more flexibility uh, uh, with uh, time for the family uh, so I think we all have to pick our choices and see what works for us in our sort of uh, situation, our support infrastructure, and don't introduce too many changes at the same time. <laughs> thank you. And on that note, uh, thank you so much for such a wonderful discussion, uh, Sokwe, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing these insights. This has been, um, you know, hugely, uh, uh, you know, insightful for for me personally, and I'm sure it will be for our students. Uh, So thank you very much. And, uh, you know, wish you a lovely rest of the week. And uh, we truly appreciate your insights and your time. Thank you.